There's a lot to like about the New York Giants and what they have shown this summer. And there are also a few concerns. What are we talking about? We check in with former NFL scout David Turner for his take. Coming up next on the Locked on Giants podcast. You are Locked on Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Junior Giant fans, and welcome to another edition of the Lachlan Giants podcast, part of the Lachlan podcast family, your team every day. My name's Patricia Chena. Happy to have you with us. Shout out to all our everydayers, our newcomers, and everybody in between. So glad to have you on this new week of the Lachlan Giants podcast. And today's episode of the Lachlan Giants podcast is brought to you by BetterHelp. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. Visit betterhelp.com slash locked on today to get 10% off your first month. And Giant fans, on today's show, we are going to take an overview of what we have seen so far from the New York Giants. There's a lot to like. There's a lot of concern still. We'll talk a little bit about the rookies and helping us to break everything down. Those of you who have been with me for a while, you recognize the guy on, on the uh, other side of me, David Turner, former NFL scout. He's back. He's going to be with me again this season and the rest of the preseason to break down the games as often as we can on a Monday. David, great to have you back. Thanks for having me back. I always have a blast. I love talking big blue football and, you know, with you and just being such a, I love these shows. Like I live from my family's like, <laughs> are you doing the shows again? Because we know you look forward to them. And I'm like, I am, I am. I got invited back. I didn't, I didn't run out my welcome yet. So here we go. <laughs> Well, for those of you who are new to the Locked on Giants podcast, David Turner used to be an NFL scout. He actually worked for the Giants way back in the day, so he's a little familiar with with the organization. He's also done personnel work um, for the CFL. I think uh, he, he you've done personnel work for the Raiders. I know that, the 49ers, I think. Got, a, got a fairly impressive uh, list of background when it comes to football personnel. And, of course, he's done scouting as I mentioned. So David knows a little something about, you know, what we see on the field and uh, always good to have an extra perspective on the show. So David, let's get right into it. The Giants year two under Brian Dable, they got Mike Kafka back. They got Wink Martindale back. Overall, you know, what are your takeaways based on what you've seen so far in the preseason with year two of this offense and this defense? As as always, usually the first game was vanilla, right? And, you know, the defense, Wink, I've known Wink forever since we worked at the Raiders together. So, you know, I know he's always vanilla. Let's just get him into play and see what they can move around, do a little bit. Week two showed a lot more, I think, about what the offensive identity is going to start morphing into. Um, we didn't see Shaq uh, Barkley obviously running the ball, but I think we saw a little bit of what Brian wants to do with throwing the ball around a little bit more. And the defense showed a little bit more teeth to it. I think, you know, Wink threw a couple blitzes in there. We saw some of the starters going um, in and out. So, and the rotation in the front, I was got a little excited about. You know, I think there's some front players that are going to contribute. Whereas last year, when our um, our first stringers went out and took a break, took a breather, we started getting gashed a little bit, right? Now, I think we got a couple, uh, couple 
tools in the shed that they can pull out. And, uh, you know, the step down isn't as uh, big as it was last year. So, um, you know, the preseason to me, I think we're seeing a little bit more of what the offense is going to mature into. I don't know if we're fully there yet. I think it might take a couple weeks with these new parts, but the parts we're ginning, we're, we're rolling. You know, I, I don't get to go to practice like you and see it, but, you know, I saw some really explosive opportunities coming um, in some of the matchups and uh, how they're going to work off each other. I, I could see, I could see where this is going. I like where the stew is right now. Let's talk specifically about Daniel Jones because a lot of debates still about Daniel Jones. He got the big contract four years, $160 million. A lot of people are starting to get on board that train, but there are still a lot of people who aren't on board that train. What did you see from Daniel? I know he only played the one series. He he completed eight of nine passes. He had one run in, in, in the mix. But based on what you saw of him in, in that opening sequence, what stood out to you about him? He ran out of bounds. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Besides that, obviously. Inside <laughs> joke for those of you who have watched Patricia and I for a while. That was the most you. impressive. They got, they got the kid to run out of bounds. <laughs> so, um, no, what I saw was precision, but I also saw a good understanding of the reads. The read concept with this new offense, you, uh, Waller and uh, Paris Campbell and those guys getting in the mix – um, Daniel did a really good job reading the concepts early. I know they were playing, obviously, a base defense, so it makes the reads earlier and easier. You know what I'm saying? Um, but for me, Daniel's understanding of the read concepts, I thought, were a really clean. He knew where he was going with the ball based on pre-snap reads of safeties and linebackers. Um, he was very decisive, and his ball placement was excellent. I mean, he didn't put his receivers in position. The one where the safety came down, downhill and hit Waller. I mean, he still put Waller that ball on Waller's chest plate so Waller could protect himself. And, you know, he didn't have him extended out and, you know, open up that rib cage and all that. So the ball placement to me was still really good. Um, and it gave his uh, receivers opportunity to run after the catch, make yards after the catch and all that kind of thing. So um, that was excellent. But the read concepts, I think, are coming a little bit more year two here with Daniel he's seen it a little bit more and he's like okay I get what coach wants um I saw some good things there as well um so for me if you're not I, I mean you and I know and I've been saying that no one can call me a bandwagon guy like I've been a Daniel Jones guy I like him you know I, I worry about his running um and the offensive play calling having him run so much right but I like the kid and I think he has the tools to be successful and now we're finally surrounding him with quality receivers and tight ends that can, you know, do it. And our tight end group, when we get there, we'll talk about it. But our tight end group, to me, is going to really help this kid this year. Well, let's talk about the tight end group, specifically Waller. I mean, he's been the toast of the town, the, the uh, prize acquisition, if you will. Um, we've seen in practice, as well as in games, some of what he can do as far as drawing a crowd up the middle which opens up things along the sidelines for for the for one-on-one matchups but you know what other impact have you seen Waller have on this offense so far well it's his presence alone as a big you know a big body i can't call him physical cuz i don't think he's a big mala you know i don't think he's going to move people off the offensive line but when he's blocking but he's a, such a big presence in the secondary it ties up too so you know you saw it on the the touchdown um catch that Bo- uh, Bellinger caught mm-hmm. um he went straight you know um Waller did the vertical 
and Bellinger came off of it and he tied up two. So when you got a big body just stretching the field, for, you know, vertically, it ties up two, and then the back end is a one-on-one. So now it just leaves him with a concept of beat the guy in front of you. And Bellinger was able to, and he's going to be consistently able to because Bellinger's a talented tight end in himself. Um, you know, I'm not going to call this like a, you know, a Dallas Clark and Pollard type situation here right away, but we got some talented tight ends that really you can run 12 personnel now. Um, for a for a lot of concepts and then work your speedy receivers off that tie too so you know you go out and you start establishing waller like he did early like coach did early now what comes next oh we gotta jump two onto him paris campbell's a one-on-one you know shepherd's one-on-one whoever the receivers you know shake out to be are one-on-one because you got them on the same side as waller and if you don't Waller's such a a, a tall big catch radius target that Daniel can throw it up and he can go over most player, most safeties and a lot of the corners, even in this league, because he's such a big body guy. I mean, you're like having a power forward here at tight end. So that mismatch creates a lot of opportunity for the secondary targets to come into play. Um, so, you know, you'll hear me say it probably most of the year, this tie two concept, who's getting the tied up to, you know, whether it be a receiver and Waller has a big game or whether it's Waller always getting double teamed and one of our receivers coming in and having the big game. All right. Now, you know, before we move off of the offense, one question mark still is the offensive line. They look like they're, they continue to run. We were staying positive. I know, but we, 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 we've got to, we've got to talk about it. We, you know, it's the elephant in the room, you know? So, you know, the offensive line, all right. So Andrew Thomas locked in at left tackle. John Michael Schmitz is locked in at center. They're still trying to figure out left guard. It looks like, although I think Ben Bredesen probably is the best looking of the, of the batch. I don't know if you agree. Evan Neal, you know, didn't do that badly in his debut, his 2023 debut, uh, coming off of the concussion, but still needs, you know, some work. And then Mark Lewinsky obviously needs to bounce back from an inconsistent year. But when you look at this offensive line, you know, how do you see it playing out and where are you still concerned with this group? Well, let's talk starters. Concern here is the right side of the line, just starters. Neil, I thought he had a very, very good rookie season, very good rookie season, but he needs to improve and improvement that I need to see him play is with square shoulders. A couple times in this game, I saw him turn his shoulders as he's passing off going, you know, bringing his player inside. He's turning that right shoulder, creating a very narrow twist corner. Now, if, if this twist corner is going to stay narrow like that, Daniels is going to get Daniel Jones going to get beat up all day on the right side. He, um, so what he needs to learn, this young man needs to learn how to pass off squarely and and keep that right shoulder because he's a broad player keep that right shoulder out there so he can he can then take that twist on or a blitzing linebacker he can see it it opens his vision up a little bit better maybe a corner or late blitz from a safety he'll see it and with his long wingspan at least get a chip on somebody to give daniel that half second to get rid of the ball you know um i understand offensive line play isn't pretty guys it's not you know and if you can just get a chip or a push or a shoulder or a slap on somebody really quick it gives you that quarterback an extra second just to get rid of the ball half second to get rid of the ball 
that's all you need. But you can't do that if you're turned. As an offensive lineman, you really have to play square with your shoulders parallel to the line and learn how to play that way. I need this young man to do that. Now, my next biggest concern isn't the guards as much because I thought there was a lot of serviceable guards that we can rotate in and out. I don't think we have an all-star guard. I don't think we have an all-pro guard, okay? I think we have good serviceable guards, but it's that third tackle spot. That third tackle spot is a huge red alarm for me, okay? Like, we don't have that third spot. I know, and you know what I feel about number 74, the man that will never be named. Um but, you know, for me, he's just soft and he's not ability to, you know, use that big physical body that he has. I mean, this man was born with a lot of tools and he's just not for whatever reasons it's not come out. I think it's his fourth year and he's still not it's still not come out. And, you know, he needs to make it happen. Now he's coming off an injury, so it's even you know harder for him to do it. But he's. He needs to just get some cojones and just start getting in fights. Like, seriously, like, I don't care. I need to see some fire from him, some want to, some love for football to, you know, keep Daniel Jones upright. But if we don't in either address it somehow or focus it, that third tackle spot is going to be a it's going to be a huge issue for us this year. So before he got injured, Tyree Phillips wasn't doing it for you. Again, I don't. I didn't see enough. Let me put it that way. I didn't see enough from Tyree Phillips to say okay. that I like what we see here out of Tyree Phillips. We're good at the third tackle spot going forward. You know, you're at practice, so you might have seen it and been like, "Okay, I'm more comfortable with it." I just have the two preseason games, right? right. And and what I'm looking at, so I I can't say that. So all you're seeing basically is is number seventy four and number seventy is also another one at the, competing, um, and then they they played poor Wyatt Davis out of out of position because you basically didn't have anybody, and then they brought in Julian Davenport. So just you know the question of who's going to be that third swing tackle at this point, and uh, that is definitely a big concern. But just before we move off the offensive line, you mentioned you're not concerned about guard, but you know, they've been rotating Azudu and Bredesen primarily at that left guard spot. Who do you think might be the, the better fit for that position? I think Bredesen hasn't done anything to lose it. Azudu to me has been sometimes inconsistent, but what do you see? I think Azuzu is the guard of the future, but he mm-hmm. needs maturation and, and some maturity to his game. And only reason to say maturity, I think it's just learning the blitz pickups and different things. It's just Again, he's not done anything wrong, folks. I'm not sitting here saying he's done something wrong. It's just not fa- he's not doing stuff fast enough yet. And when you get against the ones consistently for four quarters, you need to be quicker in that ability to read and pass off and do things and see, you know, the inside games happen so fast. Like people don't understand, like when you're on the edge and tackles is when I call on the edge, when you're on the edge, the there's a lot of space. So you have to have foot quickness and space out there, but inside it happens so quickly. You got to know like right at the snap what's happening to make your blocks, not only in the pass game, but in the run game too, you got to see your guy go away and work to two. You got to double team and get off tackle. It happens within seconds, milliseconds. So I just think he's the guard of the future 
because I see a lot of good physical traits from this young man, right? But I think to start the season, Bredesen is the is the starter. And but if he's forced into action, Azudu is, is somebody that can de- definitely do it. You just might have a few growing pains while he's getting adjusted to the the different schemes he's going to see and everything that comes his way. All right, that's certainly fair enough. All right, coming up next, folks, we are going to talk about the defensive side of the ball where there's some very impressive-looking rookies that we need to talk about. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. This episode of the Lachlan Giants podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Life can sometimes drag us down, leaving us with more questions than answers. Life-changing decisions and events can challenge our coping skills and call our confidence in making decisions into question. BetterHelp can provide you with the guidance you need to become empowered in your decision-making process. BetterHelp is entirely online and is designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. If your assigned therapist turns out not to be a match, you can switch anytime for no additional charge. Let therapy be your map with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LockedOn today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash LockedOn. All right, everybody, welcome back to the LockedOn Giants podcast. You have me, Patricia Trainer, your host, and I'm joined by David Turner, former NFL scout, used to work for the Giants back in the day, or for the Raiders, did some work in the uh CFL, all kinds well of traveled, well traveled. Yes, well traveled. That's the, the well traveled David Turner around various football leagues. So he's here and he will be here with me, um, hopefully every week, breaking down the Giants games and what we see. And we always have a blast on these shows. So glad to have him back in the saddle with me. Glad he didn't, you know, get tired and run away. <laughs> so never. Oh my gosh. I look forward to this. Like I said in the beginning, I'm so excited. <laughs> Well, anyway, David, let's talk about the Giants defense. Um, A lot to like about this unit, you know, wink, being wink, you know, doing all kinds of fancy stuff and whatnot. But, you know, I I really want to start with this, with the backfield and this new uh, look that they have there with moving a Dory down into the slot and you have two rookies out on the outside. What are your thoughts about that? And, And, you know, based on what you saw of that formation, do you think it's something that they can really work with this season against some of the better, you know, receiving cores they're going to face? I do. I think the kids look great so far that I, from what I've seen, you know, I'll call them the corners, the kids right now, but the rookies, um, they look good right now, especially banks. I mean, Hawkins kind of, you know, I think he, his, I had less expectations for Hawkins, obviously being the the lower pick. So I, I was like, okay, you know, he'll throw some stuff around. He's got good measurables, but Banks to me is really impressive. I I you know I had high hopes for him, and he's meeting every one of them. Like he's very smooth in his transitions. He has good quickness, ball reads. I mean, his reaction quickness is is really on point, um, which is hard for a corner early in a career because a lot of times they're inside their head. So they're thinking, did I guess that right? Did I think that right? You know, he's processing quick and trusting himself. Now the true test will be when he gets beat once or twice in a game, if he still does that. Right. But so far 
he's shown a he's shown a lot of impressive uh traits and i can understand why they took him in the first uh and again hawkins you know again i had less expectation for him but he's such a raw talent i was like here we go you know and he is he's living up to it he's physical he's coming up in the run game he's playing at the line of scrimmage so you know for me he's looking like a really tough kid i just hope he doesn't try to be too tough is what I would say early in his career. And then he gets nicked up and stuff. Let it, let the big boys play up front. Okay. I want you to come up on run support for sure, but let the big boys play up front. And uh, you, you just mind that back end. I think at Jackson, obviously I'm a huge Adoy Jackson fan. He should not be returning kicks and punts as we've discussed, uh, <laughs> but he has the talent too. If we need to in a pitch, um, but I think him in this slot is going to – him as the nickel guy is going to bring a lot of help to the kids because he's going to know how to line up, where to go, angles. He could be that coach on the field from that position and do a lot of good for even our even our linebackers that are dropping into coverage and stuff, like just working with them by being so close to him. I think that will be an excellent position for him to be and for us to utilize him in. Um, the safeties, I mean, I really got excited about, you know, all the – I'm – again – the back end is young. Their energy, everything's going to be great as long as they, they stay that confident group, which Wink tends to do, and he's really good at it. ever since he was at the Raiders, having the back end kind of overbelieve in themselves. So, you know, I hope I hope he continues that because I think he's got a lot of good energy there in in that um in that room right now. You mentioned the back end. I mean, were you surprised to see Pinnock? emerged the way he has i mean i liked him last year and i I, there were times when i kept saying that if the giants moved on from julian love pinnock would have been the guy that i would have guessed to be you know the the heir apparent so to speak um what have you seen from pinnock and also dane belton who is in second year he's been looking pretty good you know as kind of a, a sub package type of safety um playing with a lot more confidence i think but what have you seen from those two guys no, I think you you pegged it right, and you know you as you often do, <laughs> but yeah, you pegged it right. Pinnock's been great. I, I'm enjoying him a lot. You know, McKinney obviously is a, is a gifted player, and I just think here's where, and I don't know if we're going to get into it in the show or not, but the salary cap's going to dictate a lot of the cuts coming up because the Giants, I believe, only I think they're 29th in the league in cap room or something right now, so they're going to have to free some stuff up and move some contracts around just to be able to survive the season, if I have that correct. You usually know the numbers better than I do, but I think I got it researched right before the show. Um, And if so, the back ends where they can maybe save a little bit of money here because they are young and they have some good contracts back there. So I think that's where you you might see some um, moves. But back to Pinnock and – and the group, I think Belton, I think he's going to be a very good, serviceable, you know, situational safety. And if pressed into in, into play, he's going to be very good at it. Otherwise, he's going to be excellent on teams. He's going to run down and do some really good things for us there because obviously our special teams need to upgrade from last year. Otherwise, we're going to be in a world of hurt, right? Um, but that being said, I, I would not I, – I, I wouldn't be scared if Belton had to be pressed into play right now. You know, but Pinnock's been very impressive. Mm-hmm. Now, can we talk about Bobby Okereke and what he has brought to that linebacker unit? I mean, hallelujah, they finally have a guy. You know, I think, you know, you'd have to go back to when Blake Martinez was here and he was healthy, but they finally have 
what looks like to be a solution at inside linebacker. What has his presence done for this defense? What has it allowed it to do that it wasn't able to do maybe last year? I think what it will eventually do is give the Lawrence and the Williams and the um, you know guys up front ability to take a chance and know he's back there confidently to clean it up. You know, if you look at if you look at him in Indy last year, he had like 146 tackles. Only of them, only six of them were tackles for losses. So what's that mean? He's patrolling that line of scrimmage efficiently, effectively, and he's allowing the guys up front to go take a chance without it costing the team yardage because he's there to clean it up for him. He's not going to be the guy who's downhill slashing and filling gaps to get the play. No, he's letting the guys up front do that. And then as soon as the running back breaks that first line of defense, boom, I'll clean it up. I got you guys. It might be a yard gain, might be two, but we're not giving up five, six, ten-yard bursts. You know, I'm there. I got you. And so when they get into some situations where – and the front knows. Like when, when Lawrence is like, I'm supposed to do this, and I did that, and all of a sudden it opened up a run game, and, oh, damn, we just got gashed for, you know, 12 yards. Well, now it's two yards. He'll go back into the, hey, thanks for covering me on that one. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I shot a gap. I got excited, and I wasn't supposed to, and you cleaned it up for me. I really appreciate that, man. Um, so – you know, that kind of confidence, I think, will start growing with this group and him being such a sure tackler. Like, I mean, when he hits you, I'm not going to say he's a thudder. He, you know, you're not, I don't think you're a punisher, but you, when he hits you, he sticks to you like glue and you're down. Like, you know, you're going to go down. You're not going to pick up, you know, extra yardage after contact. He hits you solidly and then that's it. So I think his presence in that second layer of defense is going to build the confidence in the front layer to take a chance, do a couple things, knowing that they can trust that second set of defenders to really be there to clean up the, to clean it up. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I really like what I've seen of him and he's so smart. My goodness, really super smart guy. Let's talk about the defense. Well, Stanford. Line. <laughs> well, of course. Yeah, definitely. Let's talk about the defensive line. Now we know Dex and Leo are, are set. Um, but this kid, Jordan Riley, a seventh rounder who I got to be honest with you, when they took him, I thought, oh, developmental prospect, you know, practice squatter. His kids look pretty good. You know, playing. he played primarily in the nose tackle spot the first week. He got some defensive end snaps this past week. He's looked pretty good, I think. What have you seen from him? And can you, you know, they have Nunes Roches, they have Ashawn Robinson ahead of him, but you know, has he made this this final picture a little bit more complicated, do you think? I think he's the fourth in the in the group up there, you know, right now. From and like you said, he's played himself into this position. Um, he's really shown up. He's a big, long, good looking sucker, and now he's playing like it too. Um, he he's got great center of gravity, he's using his hands well. I won't say they're violent hands just yet. I think he has to get there. But he's using them well, and his, his his length and extension with his hands. You saw it in this last game. He was able to press and push off the blockers off his body. Um, you know, and again, a, a little bit of maturity. He'll learn how to shock and shed, where he's like really shocking them and then getting off. Right now, he's a, he's an engage and push off guy, but that's fine as a young player. Just to be able to do that week two shows some maturity already in your game and some good raw physical skills right so i think he's played himself into the fourth i don't think wink and the group is going to trust him to be like a guy but they're confident in him 
taking some reps away from the starters and going into week one, week two. Now they can rest Lawrence and, you know, um, Robinson a little bit with those two Nunez and, and um, Riley, you know, between the thirties a little bit, let them rotate out and not really worry about, you know, getting gashed. I think they, I think that there were, like I said in the opening, we got some tools here now in the shed that they can pull out and feel more confident that will help spell and rest those players. It's 17 weeks y'all. And there's about 70 offensive plays and, you know, for either offense in every game. So you can't have your big old D lineman playing that kind of, you know, <laughs> over 700, 900, whatever you want to call it, thousand plays a year. They need, they need some rest too. So now last year, like we always got scared when the rotation came because we're like, Oh, here we go. Right. But now I don't like, well, let's see if we can do this. Like we got this Um, because those big boys up front are playing. I think they did a really good job loading up that second range of bullets. So now we're, we're in a much better spot entering the season than we were last year, in my opinion. Yeah, for sure. All right. Coming up next we there's a lot to like about this team, but there's also some concerns, some of which we haven't talked about yet, but we will talk about them right after this. Hey, Giant fans, football season is about to kick off and FanDuel is giving you the chance to win all season long. Because right now, when you bet on a Super Bowl winner, you can get bonus bets every time they win in the regular season. Just pick any team to win the Super Bowl and you'll get bonus bets for every victory. You can use your bonus bets on spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and start earning bonus bets with America's number one sportsbook. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Locked On Giants podcast. I'm Patricia Trana, joined by David Turner, my sidekick after games. Love him. Let's he's, go. He's, he's psyched. He's, he's pumped up, as am <laughs> I. I mean, the Giants look good this year, folks. So far, so good. I know a lot of you are like, okay, it's just preseason. But you know what? There's a big difference in what we see this year versus what we saw last year. But that said, there's still a few question marks that I think we need to address we talked about the offensive line earlier in the show. David, am I crazy for thinking that outside linebacker, the depth at that position is still something that needs to be addressed? Or can they maybe mask that a little bit with activity coming from the, def- the uh, defensive secondary? No, I still, I like, again, I'm a different player here. I, you know, I, those outside linebackers, to me, I think we have a good Examinez, uh, Ward, Fox, they have good tools. Like I, I like this group, right? So I'm not, I'm not of the mindset where we're in dire straits here. Now, if someone gets hurt early in the season and we're dependent on that, that group to rotate in and do some things, I think that's where we get a little bit. Eh, there's a huge disparity in capability, but if our starters stay healthy and maybe we have to depend on one of these guys for a game or two, it's going to be fine. It's going to be absolutely fine. And I think these guys bring stuff to the special teams, which is what they need to do. And that's their role. You know, that's their primary role. But I think stepping into a starter role, yeah, we might take a huge step back. I mean, but that's to be honestly, look at who's starting in front of them, right? Like we got some rare talent up front. So, you know, for me, 
I think we got serviceable backups. And as a as a guy who's built teams before, you know you're going to have deficiencies in some areas. But if you got really good special teamers in this area that can help service you in a game, two games, maybe a three-game stretch, you're actually in a very good spot. You're in a good spot because you can't have starter after starter after starter after starter. It's just not, you know, you can't have a roster of that. Just that's what the cap's for, you know, to make sure you don't have that. Um, but I think they've done a great job of maintaining and keeping in place these players because these players have been with us a little while and putting putting them to play and no, them knowing their role. I'm, I'm excited about it. I, I have more of an issue with the starting linebacker spot next to mm. a Karake. Yeah, okay. I was going to get to that. <laughs> That's the one where I, I have more of an issue because Beavers is not the player that we saw last year, which I wish he was because last year I know you and I were like, oh, here we go. We like this kid, right? Um, that ACL seems to have slowed him down. He's playing more cautiously now. He's not penetrating where I would like to see, whereas Okereke is a guy who can play at the line of scrimmage and clean stuff up. I would love to see Beavers be that attacking linebacker, get up there, try to plug a hole, try to slice through backdoor play, you know, run a guy down, um, do that kind of thing. And I'm not seeing that so far. And then we also have, you know, Carter Coughlin and um, Mike McFadden, Mike McFadden. I'm not seeing a difference in any of them right now. They all seem to be the same guy, a different Jersey. So, you know, for me, that's more of my concern on this defense right now. Excited about the back end, the energy in the young room, Adoree Jackson leading it right. Good. Excited about the front, that you know, especially our starters, our second tier backups at the D line. Cool. Excited about a character. If I'm screwing up his name, let me know. But <laughs> oh, carrot uh, cake. That's how I was taught to a remember. Car- it. A co- oh, carrot cake. So it's oh, like saying, cake. oh, carrot cake. Okay. okay. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited about him, but the the that the the spot right now that I have the biggest question mark. Um, biggest red flag you want to call it or siren going off is that second linebacker spot there for the starters. Um, that's that's the one I'm I'm most fearful going into the season on our defense. Yeah, I, I I would agree with you on that. I think you know you hope that Algilari and K- and uh, Kayvon Thibodeau are going to stay healthy, but you know they, I think if they have to get by with a game or two without them, they can probably do so. Now on the offensive side. You already talked about offensive tackle number three as a concern, but let's look at, at receiver here because that's still a, a, a jumbo mix. So you figure you got Paris Campbell, you got um, Isaiah Hodgins, Darius Slayton, Jalen Hyatt, who by the way has looked fantastic. This kid is just amazing. I thought he was a steal in the draft. Oh, big time steal, steal in the draft for steal. sure. Um, I mean, we really should have got arrested for that. Yeah. Yes. I mean, this whole draft class, I mean, if you think about it, the value that Shane got was amazing. But um, so you've got four receivers right there. Then do you keep Shep and Beasley or Beasley, one or the other? And then how many receivers do you go with? And how do you just kind of round this whole thing out? That's that to me is like maybe the second biggest question or the third, we'll say, after inside linebacker two, offensive tackle three, and now receiver, who's going to be at the bottom of the depth chart? I'm excited about the top of the depth chart. Let's go there first. Okay, <laughs> like, sure. Why not? Like, honestly, like I, I love the idea of Paris Campbell. I've loved, I've, I've loved this player for a while. I just don't think he's ever like panned out to the 100 percent what he should be. But what I saw the other day 
is what I saw with him coming out. And him and Waller together, pair them with Bellinger, um, Hodgins, and Slayton. Like, that, it just becomes ridiculous. There's so many tools there. There's more tools in that toolbox than Daniel Jones has ever had, almost, okay? Um, so it's just, like, unbelievable, right? So I'm going to say this. I, I like the top of the Jeff chart here. I don't think that you're going to see a special crew. I don't think you have that, you know, Justin Jefferson type receiver, but I think you have a very solid group and it's very impressive once you put it on the field together and you put it in com- combination with the running backs and the tight ends. This is a, a loaded, this is a loaded toolbox for Daniel to take advantage of. Okay. Um, that being said, you know, Hyatt just brings explosion and his route running. I, I couldn't believe he missed that one pass. I mean, and then he comes back on the next plane, just accelerates and gets a touchdown, right? But, I mean, he's usually a very sure-handed receiver who catches balls like that, you know, all the time. He's he's very fluent in his movement to be able to, you know, do the acrobatic catches, whatever. I, I watched him a lot in college, and and I'm like, oh, my gosh, when we got him where he was, I couldn't believe he was still on the board. Like, it was one of those players that like, you just assumed was off the board by then. And then all of a sudden you look up and you see him there. And I think that's what Joe and the, and the crew said too. Like, how is this guy still here? We can't not take him. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's just amazing. Yeah, they were so lucky. But I think here you might have to start thinking Beasley, Shepard. Someone's not going to be there because of the salary cap. And they can't carry all the weight, right? So I think something's going to happen there. I'm not the biggest Beasley fan. I'm just not. I think his his skill set has kind of reduced down. That's just me. I think he's a better coach type candidate now than he is as much as, as what we can use on play as a player on the field. Rondell Robinson, Wondell Robinson obviously is a special talent that when we get him back, mixing in this mix is going to be a difference maker for us as well. So, you know, I think the creative gymnastics is going to happen here. You know, I always love Sills and Johnson. I think Johnson to me could play for a lot of teams, uh, you know, and, and for me, he's been underutilized in a lot of ways. Last preseason, I was really gloating about him. I still like what I see out of Johnson. So, you know, if yeah, there's but he was a- injured last year. So I know, but yeah, and, and I like him. he's injured again. Unfortunately, is he now? Yeah. Oh, he's got a knee injury. Well, all right, Colin. See ya. Um, <laughs> I like the kid. I think he's really, you know, brought a lot to the team, and he's done a lot of dirty work in different preseasons and things to help us. So, I just think when you do the math on the thing, Hyatt, Hodgins, Slayton, Campbell are your four. Shepard should be your fifth. With Robinson being your sixth, you know that's the way I play it out. But it's going to be what the coaches want between, like you said, Shepard and Beasley. I think everybody else, you know, that they Special want teams too is going to play into the, the the mix. I'm sure. Right. I don't think either Beasley or Shepard really want to be playing special teams where they're at in their career. Yeah, right? and I don't. So. Th- I don't think they do. I don't think Robinson. I, I don't remember him playing special teams prior to his injury either. Well, Wandell can be a returner. Like he, Wandell Robinson could be a returner if you yeah, ask. Yeah, I don't think he did last year. I no, last year we had other people doing yeah. it, and again you don't need him to do it because of who we have on the team. Like, you know, I thought gray, another steal of the draft, Eric gray. Um, I'm now I'm jumping groups here to re- running backs, but I love what I see out of him so far. Like, honestly, I love what I saw in college of this kid. And what I saw the other day, his pat now, again, we're going to talk pass protection. Yes. He has to step up and hit that a little bit better. I thought the physicality in his pass protection was spot on where it missed was his angles. 
And that is something that Tom Rathman always said, hey, if a guy's willing to step up, put his nose in it, I'll teach him the angles. And there was a couple times he stepped up too narrowly and he attacked the inside shoulder when he needed to attack square on. That's just an angle. He still got a hit on a guy, but he just didn't get enough of them to prevent the hit on the quarterback. So therefore, you just got, you know, that's something you can work with because he's willing to do it. His run style, where he's a flat back runner with his shoulder square downhill, like that's something that's just natural and you don't get all the time. So this is a kid that also showed that he could return the ball and different things. So he's a kid that I think can be a very good Swiss Army knife for us this season. Um, there's and I think, you know, if you're Gary Brightwell, you, you got to be questioning your spot with this young rookie right here, right on your tail. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. You know, the Giants still with one more preseason game to go against the Jets. The Jets supposedly are going to play Aaron Rodgers um, this this coming weekend on Saturday night for the preseason finale. So I don't know what the Giants plans are yet about personnel, but uh, certainly, you know, some Final decisions need to be made, and I imagine we'll probably see the bottom of the depth chart as those guys fight it out. So, David, it's going to be exciting to watch. Dallas is coming up September 10th. Oh, baby, are you ready for that one or what? <laughs> oh, I'm ready, and I'm ready to take the leashes off and let them go hunting now because this is going to be fun. I, you know, I think Dallas is a wounded animal, so you know we gotta we gotta let our guys go hunting and go get them. Absolutely. All right, Giant fans, that's going to do it for this edition of the Locked on Giants podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in and making us your first listen of the day. Or if you watch on YouTube or your first watch of the day, we'll be back every day this week with more episodes as the Giants return to training camp practices on Monday when you're watching this show, obviously. And they'll be practicing Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Friday is a uh, walkthrough and then, of course, Saturday night, it's Giants, Jets, and we'll have everything for you here on the Locked on Giants podcast. For David Turner and Patricia Trainer, thank you so much, and we'll see you again tomorrow, Giants fans.